In this episode, we join in on the collective nerdgasm of seeing the new Spider-Man, geek out over Fuller House, Supergirl, and a Kevin Smith retweet, predict how awful the new Ghostbusters movie will be, and review Zootopia and the Flame and the Flood. All this and more on The Geek Generation. Everybody, welcome to the Geek Generation. I'm your host Rob Logan, joined in the studio by Mike Volpe. I am alive. He's here. It's 2016. It's your first it's appearance March. of the year. First <laughs> appearance. It's it's been hectic. Yeah, it has been. It's just been nuts. Just I spent the last few months with my head in the gym, basically. Yeah. I mean, we expanded, and it's been nuts. Just. Very busy. None mm-hmm. of it's really overwhelming in a bad way. It's overwhelming in a good way. Sure. It's that like I literally have to like step up my game now in every aspect because it's getting busier. There's more to do. I got to make sure the staff and the trainers are all on point with everything. And well, when you have a bigger building, that's that much more maintenance. Yeah, I mean, is. you have more to oversee. You have more to do. You know, it's not like you weren't busy enough already. Nope. Now I'm even busier. <laughs> and then now I'm trying to do more. I just figure I'm there all the time. Mm-hmm. And even when I'm not there, I can still do stuff. But I'm trying to do more with social media. Sure. Which definitely seems to be working. Facebook is working in terms of making the gym busier and bringing more awareness to the gym. Mm -hmm. And Instagram is definitely working to help spread the word about the supplement line and and that end of the business. Sure. But it just requires time. Not a lot. I think if I actually added up the amount of time I truly spend on my phone doing that stuff, maybe it's an hour a day. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's spaced out throughout the day. Sure, absolutely. But it's working. It's just, you know, time consuming with everything. Mm. And still trying to find time to uh, have a life. Yeah. Yeah. So it's. And then me nagging you to do all this stuff too. No, you're not nagging me. I feel bad because I just can't get up. And then I had one of my employees, her former boss called her and said, We're going to hire you back for six months through the summer. Oh. She was working the most hours for me. Oh. So she was like, Well, we're, I'm only going to go back and then the business is closing for good and then mm-hmm. I can take my hours back. But then I was like, Well, that means now I have to be here more. Right. In the meantime. Yeah. So I gave one of the girls some uh, eight extra hours and then I took on the rest. So she was doing 30 something hours a week. Wow. So I just took on hours during the day. But let me tell you, from like 10 to 12, from 10 in the morning to noon, mm-hmm. I get more done than I can possibly get done between 4 o'clock and 10 o'clock. Yeah. I get yeah. so much done in that place. All the filming and promotional stuff and get it all pictures done and then I edit it later mm-hmm. and put it up. So but it's been busy. Yeah. I mean, just finding your groove is yeah kind of the way it works, too, because there are certain, like you just said, there are certain hours where they're going to be more productive for you than others not as much because you have other things you need to deal with. And I'm the same way. Like, if I'm on a certain schedule, if I am home, like, between certain hours of the day, I will get so much more done within those hours. But coming home, like, after work, mm-hmm. it's not nearly as productive. Yeah. That's for sure. The gym is just too busy at night. Yeah. I can't sit down every two seconds at something or I got to go check something. But mm-hmm. life got easier, too, because I had a new security system installed. Yeah. So I can see every inch of the gym now. Oh, so really? at my desk, I just click a button. Well, you'd have to because it's it's, it's so expansive it's now. It's bigger and for security purposes, too. I've had stuff break and I'm like, oh, right, yeah. who broke this? Or right. what? who's leaving a mess everywhere? So now the cameras record all that. So I've got, I don't know how many days it'll record before, before it records over. Mm-hmm. But at this point, we're up to four days of straight recording and it hasn't overlapped wow. yet. That's pretty so, cool. But I can see everything. And it's nice because I can be at my desk. And just click a button and I can see what's going on if stuff's out of place, if mm-hmm. anything's dirty. So it makes things a little easier for me. Awesome. Yeah, it's exciting. Well, since it's been a while since you've been here, yeah. we have a lot of catching up to do. do. So let's jump right into our geek outs. Yay! What do you got for us? Well, I did see Deadpool. So you it did. has been a while. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm not going to clearly get into it because you've, you've discussed that topic, I'm sure, uh, in depth. I know you have. Uh, it was good. I loved it. Mm. It was. A great movie and there were just moments where i was laughing so hard that i almost couldn't breathe just the scene alone when he fights colossus yeah, just yeah, that i yeah. mean i almost spilled the popcorn <laughs> that's like, very you yeah i was just like dying watching him with his everything breaking and it was just funny and i sat when it was over although i'm not a big fan of ryan reynolds mm-hmm. he really 
I have to say he like, is he, Deadpool. He, he fit the role. Yeah, he did it. Yeah, and it was just great to see other characters come in. Mm-hmm. It was like they pushed the boundaries, and we're going to do this R-rated thing, and then we're going to let there be other characters. It was almost like they just this was like a huge test. It was, and it passed. Yeah, oh, and it was for great, sure. and I loved it. Yeah, it was. It was absolutely. Fantastic. They did what I've heard a lot of people refer to as the shotgun approach to comedy as well. So there are so many jokes like per minute. Yeah. That not all of them work, but the ones that don't, you don't even notice because there's another no. one right around the corner. Right. So it's just nonstop. Yeah. And the ones that hit are the ones that you remember. And everyone might have the different jokes that they remember. Yeah. But just there are just so many. Like I see, I saw it twice in the theater and there were a lot of things I missed the first time around because of that kind of shotgun approach, but picked up on the second and it was even better. I only saw it once. Yeah. But. It was good. It was great. So I'm looking forward <laughs> to see what else they're going to do. Me too. But I am bummed because as soon as that movie, after the opening weekend, everybody was like, Wolverine's going to be radar and this and that and the other thing. And yeah. now all the studios are coming out going, no, they're they're not. Yeah. They're not. Although Chill out. Wolverine 3 might be rated we'll R, which we'll is okay. That makes sense. It's Wolverine, a Wolverine movie. Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous to see a man with knives coming out of his hands. Never really do that much damage to people. He has really not killed too many people. <laughs> yeah. No. And if he has, it's like we see him like almost punch them in the chest yeah. and they fall over and die. There's no like ripping and tearing. There's no blood squirting. No, out the back. no. So for Wolverine, it actually makes sense to go R rated, I think. But they have already said that the Blu-ray Ultimate Edition of Batman v Superman, even though yeah. it's going to be PG-13, that's going to be rated R when that version of it at least right. on the blu-ray and i think it's more so a time thing than anything like this movie could have been well over three hours Zack snyder was yeah. saying and they cut out a lot of things including an entire character yeah that's what i saw like jenna malone yeah. um from the hunger games didn't was even cast. know she was casted in the movie i i think i had seen the report at some point but i'm not overly familiar with her to begin with but people were speculating she was going to be either a barbara gordon batgirl or she was going to be oh. a Carrie Kelly Robin from like The Dark Knight Returns. Oh, cool. So we're going to get a female Robin. And a lot of people were excited about that. But Snyder has confirmed that, no, she wasn't either of those things. Oh. But she is on the cutting room floor for the theatrical release. But when you see the R-rated Blu-ray release, you will see her in there. Okay. She'll be going to put back into the movie. I imagine the difference is more, more blood and violence. There's a lot of it they said is violence that yeah. they had to just pull just to make sure that it was PG-13. Right. Yeah. Yeah, this movie should be long. Yeah. This looks like it's... Well, they're jamming enough stuff in. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. It can't be an hour and a half. No, yeah, no. You know. That's for sure. So, on the flip side of things, we're going to go from Deadpool to I started watching <laughs> Fuller House. Yeah. So, from one extreme to another. Totally. I think it's great. I yeah. thought the first episode, that pilot episode was, like, they nailed it. Yeah. It was cheeseball-y. It was, it was very cheeseball-y. It was over the top. Everybody was there. They made fun of themselves. They made fun of they continue to make fun of Mary Kate and Ashley they Olsen did. on a regular that basis. That was like a fifteen second take at the camera right? of just dead silence. Right. Like they're too busy with their fashion empire. Fifteen seconds staring to the camera. And then they moved. It. Yeah, it was, it great. was great. It was great. I like it. I think Ashley and I are five episodes or six episodes mm-hmm. in out of the thirteen. Okay. And it's great. I've watched four. So Okay. So I'm right around probably yeah. the same place you are. So it, it made sense what they're doing with the show that mm-hmm. it's branched off. You know, the, the main characters aren't really there. It's the daughters now taking sure. over. I mean, it's the complete opposite. It's three women in a house now raising kids. and But it's still nice to have almost like the visitors per episode. Exactly. Like you get John Stamos in there for an episode. Mm-hmm. You get uh, Joey Gladstone and right. Dave Cooley. And I did listen to Bob Saget. He was on the radio on like Opie and Anthony or whatever, Opie, whatever show it was mm-hmm. on Satellite. And he said that. No, he's on tour or he was filming something else at the time and he could not commit to being there. He wanted oh, to do okay. more episodes. Sure. But that he only shows up in two or three of the episodes. Because but that's he, probably it was a enough. Time commitment thing. Yeah. yeah. It makes it more special when right, you do right. show up. Especially it makes more sense too if he's moved and he's living somewhere else now. He yeah. can't just go back all the time. No. So from a logical standpoint, it probably makes more yeah. sense. I think the show's great. Yeah. I, mean, I think it's it's hard to say. Now, the pilot episode itself was almost like a celebration of being back. And you could tell how much fun they were having. Like, yeah. they kept shots in the show of them almost rolling eyes at one another. Yeah. 
as if like, oh, we're doing this again. Yeah. But it all works yeah. in that vein to like bring back the older viewers. Uh, the show itself, I wouldn't say is like the highest quality show. Like, no, no, it's kind of bad, but so was Full House. Exactly. But it captures the feel so well that it's like we're watching Have more Full House. Have you into the episode with the couch situation yet? The couch situation. It's the next time Bob Saget's character shows I don't up. think oh, so. Okay. I think fantastic. that's probably the next episode. That was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, you're going to sit there and go, this is so stupid. Yeah. The only thing I but. didn't like that they did in the pilot, I enjoyed that they did the uh, the opening credits with the side-by-side. Yeah. That was really cool to kind of recreate those scenes almost. The thing I didn't like is at the very end, they did the side-by-side shot, like showing us that they're doing the same thing they did. It's like, with just the let the people, the yeah, just let the people yeah. that remember that remember that right so i don't need that over again i forgot i forgot that yeah i I don't know that i watched all of full house i watched it as a kid but uh, i mean i remember the final episode i don't even remember when it aired was it part of tgi friday or it was or was it a regular like weeknight network it was a tgif show for a while but i don't remember what its normal schedule was beyond that honestly This one's good. Yeah. It works, dropping the whole season at once. Too. Yeah. So we'll see if they continue on. I don't know. I didn't read to see if they were going to do a season two. Mm-hmm. The response seems to have been good, though. Yeah. Uh, oh, I watched. There was a movie I wanted to see. I like Robert De Niro. I mean, mm-hmm. Who doesn't? Especially as he gets older. Yeah. It just gets, for some reason, funnier. Well, yeah. We talked about it a little bit last week because we, we talked about the movie you're about yeah. to uh, bring up. And, uh, well, you you go ahead first. So I, I watched. I had wanted to see in the theaters the intern, mm-hmm. and I just couldn't. I, I couldn't it, it, before I knew it was gone. I was like, "Damn it!" You know. Uh, but I did finally watch it on, mm-hmm. um, or we rented it on iTunes, and it was good. Anne Hathaway's in it, right? Is that who? Was mm-hmm. in it? Yeah, and Robert De Niro. Yeah. So I, I enjoyed the movie. I thought it was really good. Ashley slept through the whole thing because she was exhausted. She saw it ten minutes and it was gone. I just really? sat there like a little girl watching this movie, like, "Oh yay." <laughs> it's a good movie it was really it was good funny it was unexpectedly good uh i went yeah. to a screening of it i mentioned uh before it was actually it was on my top 10 list of the year it was mm-hmm. number 10 uh and a lot of people might have been surprised by that but it might have been because i went in with no expectations whatsoever yeah and it was surprisingly funny it is for one uh but it also was not like a comedy made just to be a comedy and be stupid and silly like it had a good story it to did. it too so I enjoyed it from kind of both aspects. But we were saying before that De Niro is almost funnier now because of the background he has. Yeah. So when you see that guy telling those jokes. He went from being that mob character, mm-hmm. you know, ruthless hitman kind of character to now. And then I think the big transition was Meet the Fockers is when it Meet the Parents. Is, yeah, yeah. Is yeah. when the transition happened. But now he just continues to get funnier and funnier. Mm-hmm. So. It was a good movie. I, I recommend people watch it. It wasn't too long either. It was an it hour was, and forty-five. It was maybe or so. yeah, kind of typical. It's a good length. movie. Yeah. Definitely worth a watch. Agreed. Um, this one got me. So I'm going to Disney World at the end of April. Okay. I think and by the way, thank God I paid for that before the expansion because that expansion. If I had to pay for this now, it would be like, well, trips canceled. Sure. Because uh, I overspent. Oops. So anyway, I got to give props to Disney. So there's no reason why they would need to do this, but they did it. I ordered something online the other day for Ashley for the trip, and my billing address is different from the shipping address. So my billing address is my house. The shipping address is the gym. And I do that so that, A, the package isn't sitting outside the house, and B, it's guaranteed that it's going to get delivered. And if they have to sign for it, one of the girls will just sign, and it's there. Smart. No problem. I ordered it, and I don't know what it was. A couple hours later, I get a call from a 1-800 number. I answer, and it's Disney World calling me just to make sure that I actually purchased the product because they were concerned that the shipping and the billing address were different. They wanted to make sure that my credit card hadn't been stolen before they shipped the package out. And I was like, it doesn't seem like that's your responsibility. They're like, it's not, and we're going to call your bank as well just to confirm. Okay. the bank name. Due diligence. Apparently, the, the bank teller saw that there was a note when I went in the other day. I was like, you know, it hasn't been released yet. The funds, they haven't. And she's like, yeah, there's a note that there was a call to confirm fraudulent charges and all that. And mm-hmm. I'm like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Like that they would do that. And it's not like it was a huge purchase. It no, wasn't no. a lot of money. But, but it's, it's above and beyond what they had to do. Right? So 
Anytime a company is willing to put in the extra effort. And because of that, they even upgraded. They went from like they upgraded the shipping from two day to next day, Mm -hmm. which is a significant difference in cost as well. If you ever ship things, does that make a big difference? Oh, it does. So because of them stopping, I guess they considered it a hassle for me. Mm -hmm. They upgraded my shipping. Great. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. Kudos to them for doing that. Absolutely. I've been using, I know, so there's lots of reward systems out there, cards. Like GNC does their thing. You swipe it, you get points, isn't mm-hmm. that? There's one now called Plenty. It's P-L-E-N-T-I. Yes. And they've partnered with Rite Aid, Mobile Gas. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else? There's Exxon. Ex- I saw it was one of them. Yep, Exxon Mobile, uh, Macy's. Yep. There's a ton of places that they're partnered with. So basically, you get the card, you swipe it before you get gas. Then you swipe your credit card or you pay cash mm-hmm. and you get points for every every expense. And you get bonus points if you buy supplements at Rite Aid or mm-hmm. if you buy different health products or this. Okay. Or that. So they'll label products as being like yep. special ones. And for every 100 points, you get a dollar off. So I've got 500 points. So I literally can take $5 off any purchase anywhere I want, which is pretty cool. It's money saved. Yeah, but uh, the system seems to work really well. You can link your shopping card. So I can link like the BJ's wholesale card to it, mm-hmm. the stop and shop card. Oh, wow. they'll do special offers where it's like you'll get 20 points for buying a thing of bananas. Mm-hmm. So you activate it, you go in and buy it. It takes a few extra days, okay. but then it real it links it together and you get points for what, buying bananas. So stop and shops on their list of they allow, stores? Well, they no, they allow you to link any other card to it. Oh. So I scan my stop and shop card. And then I buy the bananas. Uh-huh. And then after a few days, however that system works, yeah. it realizes that I successfully did the activate, like that activation sure. for the bananas. Okay. And then I get the points for it. Huh. So it takes, like I said, a few, it took almost a week to yeah. get the points for yeah, the bananas. Yeah, but still, but you don't I pay for them. this reward system no. either, right? Totally. Literally, free. I was in, where was I? I was in Rite Aid. And she was like, do you have a plenty thing? I'm like, what is that? And she's like, oh, you just get points. I'm like, all right. And she just gave me the card. See, that seems, done. that seems smart to me because we use a lot of different point systems with stuff. I mean, my yeah. credit card has its own point system. I have the stop and shop card that gives me points where I can eventually save gas or money there. Yep. I have the uh, TGI Friday Stripes card. We use our Red Robin burger cards every January for our free birthday burgers. They have their thing. Uh, and it's it's so many things to carry around. Yeah. So if you have the one card that has all these brands underneath it, then not only are you just carrying around one card, but if these brands are all working together under the one umbrella, they're yeah. supporting each other. Yeah. So if if you have the choice of gas and you see an Exxon station versus something else, maybe like a Shell or whatever, yeah, you're probably going to lean towards the one that you're going to get reward points for. Exactly. So it's a way to reward loyalty. Yeah. Like right now, I just opened the app. 50 points for buying Honey Nut Cheerios. Earn 50 points when you buy one box of Honey Nut Cheerios. So if I click activate, mm-hmm. and then like on my way home today, I have to stop and go grocery shopping. Yeah. So if I go into Stop and Shop and I buy that box of Honey Nut Cheerios, as soon as they scan my Stop and Shop card, well, and like five or six days, it'll link it all together and I'll get extra 50 points. That's so crazy. For buying that. And they, they do a lot of stuff with like shampoos and soaps and all that stuff. Too. Yeah, so. yeah. It's definitely worth getting. I mean, you're going to buy gas for your car anyway. You might yeah. as well try to go to ExxonMobil. Versus getting points or getting no points. Yeah. I mean, the next time I get gas, I can literally just take five bucks off the whole purchase. So yeah. It's pretty cool. Smart. It's definitely worth trying. Smart. Getting. Cool. Uh, I am geeking out over this week. I think one of the things that pretty much the entire yes, yes. entirety of nerddom is geeking out over right now. Because the one thing we have all been waiting for <laughs> yes that they would not give us the uh the marvel captain america civil war second trailer yeah. just dropped and unexpectedly even though there was some rumor that he was going to show up in the trailer so i had an idea i thought that he might be showing up at the very end there's a nice little tag of Iron Man yelling out underoos and Spider-Man grabbing Captain America's shield yeah. and giving us a quick hey everybody and Nerd boners erect right. all over the place. Right. I, I'm excited. I was excited to see him. And I think he looks awesome. Yeah. And I love that he's definitely a kid. Mm-hmm. He is in high school or whatever. And that's going to be, it's going to be a great concept because you're going to be overwhelmed. Right. I mean, you're surrounded right. by adult superheroes who have ridiculous powers and you are a high school kid. 
you know, who's now a superhero. That's that's exactly why I'm excited because we're getting something so different. Not only because Spider-Man is finally going to be in the MCU. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm so excited to see Spider-Man interact with that group of people. But he's a 16-year-old yeah. kid conversing with a 50-year-old Iron Man. Right. I mean, if there is not a moment where they capture him just staring at Black Widow's boobs or her butt, <laughs> come on. That has to be in there for at least a second. And he can get away with it because his eyes are totally covered by the uh, the spidey eyes. They are. I thought the costume looked awesome. Yep. The scene itself, though, that had to have been shot just for the trailer. It doesn't even make sense, it seems, that they're at an airport all running at each other. I feel like that scene. Oh, no, that's going to happen. It is? Yeah. Oh, I thought that scene. Oh, was, no, it's going to happen. It's just shot more for like the trailer. I don't think so. I promotional think material. You, you have to think about it in terms of Marvel's very good about capturing the comic book feel mm. and putting it into reality. Yeah. It feels out of place where it is. But think about the beginning of Age of Ultron where they all do like a group shot. That's true. Like they just leap. So part of a comic book movie, a good one in my opinion, is to actually almost recreate the visuals that you would expect to see in a comic book. Yeah. That's a two-page spread right there where you're getting Team Cap on one side, Team Iron Man on the other. Right. And they're charging at each other. We just get to see it on the big screen yeah. as if it's ripped from the comic book. So, yeah, I think that's totally oh, in there. okay. I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, yeah. I had no problem with any of it. I think Spider-Man looks awesome. I like the eyes. Yep, the squint. You know, I saw comments you posted, or no, it was on Facebook, because mm -hmm. obviously it was trending. So I was right. looking to see what people thought, and they're just complaining to complain Everybody now. just Literally, likes to complain. Everybody was like, we want Spider-Man. Here's Spider-Man. But his eyes squinted. He's too comic booky. And I'm like, the Avengers are the most everybody. comic booky <laughs> superhero movies yeah. that are out. When you look at Batman, Superman, the X-Men, yep. Fantastic Four, and everything, the Avenger movies were the most colorful mm -hmm. and most cartoony. Yeah. So how does he not fit? How I love that if you look on it, there's multiple layers to the yep. eyes. Yep. So I'm sure Peter Parker figured out a way to make it so, you know, it, the the mask would mimic his eye movement. Yeah. And either way, I don't give a shit. It brings more character to the face yes. of Spider-Man. You want to know what did that really, really well? Deadpool. Right. He had CGI eyes for most of the movie. Yeah. There were occasions where he had on the practical yeah. ones, but most of the time, like I saw uh, photos from the set, yeah, and it's it's an open eye area with like those little uh, motion capture balls yeah. around the outside of it, so they could draw those in later, and it worked really well. Right. You don't even really think about it, but you can see the expression on a character like Deadpool, similarly to a character like Spider Man, their face is covered all the time. You need to be able to give that actor a way to express themselves yeah. and giving those eyes is a huge way to do it. Seeing that squint on the screen mm. is awesome, in my opinion. You want to know what else was one of the most comic booky movies I ever saw? Deadpool. Right. Deadpool was great. I know we're going to keep saying Deadpool because <laughs> it was such a shining example of if you stay true to the character, to the comic, mm -hmm. to the source material, look at what you can do. Right. You want to know who else attempted to do that? Same studio, by the way. Fantastic Four. Didn't stay true to the source material. Right. Flop. Deadpool stayed almost 100% true to the source material. Maybe one of the closest examples I've ever seen of staying close to source material. And it did fantastically. Right. The more they stay true, the better they'll do. We're talking to you, studios. Everybody. <laughs> so... I'm excited. So excited. And I know he's supposed to be a big part of the movie, too. Yeah. They've gonna, done a great job of not letting us know anything other than Iron Man and Captain America are going to punch each other in the face. Right, right. And the rest of the movie, which I suspect is going to be well over two hours. I, I like the way they're going into it, too. They're referencing all these bigger events. Yeah. New York was a problem. Sarkovia was a problem. All these things where there's just been so much destruction. Yep. That that's why they want to bring in the Registration Act. And this is the way it did happen in the comic books with Civil War, in a way. Yeah. But I think Spider-Man is almost going to be like the linchpin. The one that you'll notice in all the promotional materials is not on a side. He's yeah. he's absent from all the promotional materials because clearly they wanted right. to wait for a reveal. But I don't think they're going to stick him in a clear side because he's the kid that's going to be torn both ways like at first he's gonna just want to do whatever he's told because he's got these people he probably looked up to for right. years before he became a hero himself because he's probably very new to this 
So he's going to be like, oh, yeah, Iron Man wants me to do this. Sure. Oh, wait. Captain America has a different point of view. Yeah. I think we're going to be kind of led through the movie in a way by Spider-Man's indecision. Right. To make our own choice. I think it would be a smart move. I think it would be following him through this story. Yeah. So it's clearly got to be centered around Captain America because it's Captain America movie. But I think Spider-Man is going to be a really important part in that sense. Definitely. When does that come out? May? That comes out in May. Yeah. The same uh, same weekend as free comic book day. Smart. Hmm. Smart. Yeah. But look at all the things we got coming in just a short amount of time. We have Daredevil next week. We have Batman v Superman in a couple weeks. Is it only a couple weeks? Mm-hmm. And then we have it's the end of this month, and then we have Civil War right around the corner. And then just the other day, or well, yesterday, Ten Cloverfield Lane. Yep, lot went out, and it, the reviews look like they're that's really out good. now too. I gotta go see it. I, I gotta get Ashley to watch Cloverfield. I have to watch Cloverfield too before oh, you I go seen see it? it. I haven't. Like Godzilla. Yeah, same idea. Yeah, you'll like it. I'm, I probably will. It's an Abrams movie, so yeah, yeah. My next geek out is that, speaking of Batman v Superman, uh, something recently was introduced into Rocket League. I I like Rocket League. I've talked about it on the show many times. The Batmobile, just like the DeLorean was, uh, the Batmobile from Batman v Superman has been made made available as DLC. It's like two bucks. You get the Batmobile from that movie. You also get flags that you can use on your other cars, uh, a Batman logo, a Superman logo, a Wonder Woman logo mm-hmm. to support your teams. And uh, it's very exciting to be able to use the Batmobile. However, I did play for a little bit with it. And while I know it's a Batmobile, it's not really yet in my brain because I'm. it's so weird to use it and see it like this yeah. before I've actually seen it. Like in motion on the big screen in a movie. It hasn't been like solidified into the genre of Batman as a Batmobile for me yet. So I'm just using a cool looking car that's kind of like a Batmobile. But I assume after I see the movie, yeah, after I see the movie, I'll probably have a different approach to it. But it's still very exciting. I love when they do that kind of stuff. I think it's March 25th. Oh, wow. Yeah. But the, uh, the Batmobile DLC for Rocket League is available right now, has been since March cool. 8th, so you can go ahead and get that. It's only two bucks. Why the hell not? Are you watching Supergirl at all? I have not. You have not. Okay. I'm wondering if I should skip this one for now, then, and save it for someone who's seen the same scene that I want to talk about. But uh, it, it's a little spoilery, but not hugely. I can skip if you want. You can talk about it. Okay. Doesn't bother me. So, uh, quick spoiler warning for the last most recent episode of Supergirl, um, the one called Solitude, where we saw Laura Vandervoort uh, return. She was Supergirl in Smallville. She oh. played a villain called Indigo in this one that was almost like a Brainiac-style character that was That's like cool. a supercomputer type thing. Uh, but it doesn't have to do with her at all. That's just the episode I'm talking about. So, if you don't want to hear the spoiler, it's really not a big spoiler. Uh, you can fast forward like three minutes or something, but this is probably the single best moment in the Supergirl series for me so far. I've been fairly critical about the show so far. I do like it. I think it's doing some things very well. I think it could get better in other areas. Uh, but for me, this was the most powerful moment in the show. So Kara's on Astra also came to Earth out of Fort Roz with a bunch of other Kryptonians from this, like, prison that crash-landed on Earth. So there's all these aliens running around Earth. And Kara's ship, when it came out of the Phantom Zone, almost, like, had this in tow, this big prison. And Astra had was imprisoned there by Kara's mother, and it's a whole whatever. Astra and Kara were slowly starting to bond again, even though they're kind of on opposite sides of this war. She could see the good in Astra. It was kind of that kind of a story. Like, I know you're the villain, but mm-hmm. I can see the good in you, and it's slowly starting to come out despite your evil husband and all this yeah. stuff. Uh, and right when they were starting to make some breakthroughs, there was a big battle, and Kara's sister, Alex, had to kill Astra, like driving a Kryptonian sword through her back, through her heart, killing her, to save Hank, who's Hank Henshaw, who's like the head of their alien... Gotcha. fighting organization so at the at that point hank was like in order to protect your relationship with your sister alex i'm going to take the fall for this we're going to tell Kara that i killed astra 
and then you she can hate me i can handle it and then yeah. you two will be okay because if she finds that out about you she's now like lost not just her aunt right. but also her sister has betrayed her in a way even though she did it to save hank which i didn't think that rationale was too great to begin with but whatever it led to a good moment so there's a a moment at the end of this episode of solitude where Kara starts to forgive Hank for killing Astra. And Alex is like, eventually, we knew it was going to happen, gets to the point of, you know what? I can't take this anymore. I have to tell her the truth. And she says to, uh, to Kara, she's like, I killed Astra. Hank took the fall, whatever, blah, blah, blah. You can hate me. So Kara starts to walk out of the room, stops for a moment, thinks, and just gives Alex a hug. So they're hugging. And Hank is like, okay, all is well. I'm going to peace out. And he just starts to walk away. And Kara just reaches out and grabs his arm and stops him as he's walking and just offers her hand. So they have this awesome shot of her hugging her sister with one of her arms just hanging out to the side and her and Hank holding hands while they're all kind of like it was like a really good like family moment. Yeah. Of like they've all finally gotten to like there, there was all this tragic stuff that's happened to lead to here. But they've created this surrogate family now with the three of them Mm -hmm. that's like so powerful and that was a great visual to kind of like solidify the whole thing and where i think i've been getting so sick of like the whole typical love triangle thing that they work into so many of these type of shows this was so separate and a whole different thing and it was way more powerful than anything else that they had done up to that point and there was something about the the non-verbal aspect of it like the fact that he was walking out it was just the stopping him and the eye exchange and he's not even looking at him necessarily while they're hugging. Like he's just off to the side and he's looking away and he's got his arm just holding Kara's hand in support. And it's also right. her way of forgiving him. There's so much being said right. in like those quick little actions that it was just really, really a great moment in yeah. my eyes. Cool. That's it. I, I, there's, yeah. it's rare that at a moment in a show, like really yeah. just makes you go, Oh, that, that's. Well, then they nailed it. Yeah. I'd be so like, that's that, so well I'm done. Sure a lot of other people who watch the show. I hope so. That as well. I hope so. It doesn't have to always be verbal. No, no. Half the time it's better when it's not. Like that, then that's good television or a good movie or whatever it might be. Totally. My last geek out is, uh, related to Twitter. Yes. And one Mr. Kevin Smith. This was quite unexpected. Uh, Kevin Smith is a guy that, favorites or i think they changed it to likes now on twitter uh he likes a lot of tweets if you mention him so i've gotten likes from him in the past and it's been exciting mm-hmm. but it's it's like i know he does that a lot i've i've seen at least uh so i saw kevin smith tweet out randomly he said i get chills when dave Grohl sings i never want to die in walk by the foo fighters it's the most relatable lyric in all of music history on the show probably like the beginning of this year uh, and on the site, we had posted and talked about a Superman short called A Smallville Man. Mm. It's really almost like an animatic. It's a series of illustrations, and it tells uh, a story of Superman while also telling a story of a young Clark Kent watching his father stand up for somebody being bullied. And those stories kind of intertwine, and it's wonderfully done. And the whole story has Foo Fighters Walk mm. in the background of it as the soundtrack. So I replied to Kevin Smith's tweet and I said, you must have seen this illustrated Superman story set to walk. It'll make you blubber. I know he cries at everything. So I put that little part in. I had a link to the uh, video on YouTube. He ended up retweeting that and adding. uh, So he did like a quote tweet. So mine was below and he said, great Caesar's ghost. This may be the best Superman anything ever made. Let this filmmaker handle soups next. So high praise for this. Uh, and at that point, my Twitter exploded. Did it? Oh my God. For the next hour, I was getting nonstop likes and retweets and stuff on that particular thing. Wow. Because since it's a quote tweet, if people like that or like my tweet, like I get the, yeah. the acknowledgement of that, or it'll be like someone retweeted something you were quoted in or like something you were. Sure. So it's I crazy. I used Twitter in so long. That yeah. I, I don't know what they've done. With I don't use it a ton, but uh, it totally exploded for like an hour. But it kept going. Like I would still I just got like a, a favorite the other day. Really? And it was a week ago that this happened. Yeah. So they just keep coming in. It's insane. So normally when Twitter is such a, a passive thing that. If you miss something, it's gone or you feel like you tweet something out yeah. there. And then if nobody sees it within like a couple of minutes, no one's ever going to see it. Right. 
clearly there are people still catching up on things here and there. Sure. Uh, so that was kind of nuts and it was just kind of cool to be the one. I, I know I didn't make this short. You were the one. <laughs> I, I clearly did not make this short, but it was kind of cool to know that I was the one that introduced it to Kevin Smith yeah. and that he enjoyed it so much. Uh, but then someone ended up, ended up leaving a comment on the original video on YouTube saying that Kevin Smith had mentioned it. Uh, which the creator Mauricio Abriel saw, and then he tweeted out Kevin Smith's song, like my Superman film. Is this Bizarro World? Thank you, uh, at the Night Angel. So he thanked me oh, for even cool. sharing it. So he gave me a little credit just for saying that. So now I feel so happy that I was the bridge right. between the creator and the person who enjoyed it and really kind of shared it with a lot so more people. So if this guy somehow ends up linked with making a Superman movie, <laughs> it is because of you. You have to be in the credits. I will pretend to take some credit for that. Yes, absolutely. Um, but I mean, I, I enjoyed it not only just because I was getting attention from celebrities, yeah. but I also enjoyed it because it's part of the reason why I started doing this, mm. started doing the Geek Generation, is to shine a spotlight on creators. Like, I know I am not the best, like, filmmaker or artist or whatever. I don't have the ability to create the awesome worlds, or maybe I just don't think I do, uh, to create the unique stories and the original content, but I do have the ability to share it with people mm -hmm. and discuss it and talk about it, which is what we do here. But to kind of have that impact to shine the spotlight on somebody who I think was really talented and really deserves the credit right. and have it actually work. Yeah. Feels very successful. Absolutely. So I was very happy about that. Very cool. That's it. So you, I mean, the, the guy who made it, you definitely made his day. Yeah. Like putting it in front of Kevin Smith. And that's I'm the sure whole he knows point. about, you know, that's the whole point. Yeah. You exciting. never know what could come of it for the, either one of them. You never know. Hey, you never know. Hey, Amazon users. If you'd like to help support the show, please go to thegeekgeneration.com and click on the Amazon button, which will bring you right to the Amazon homepage. If you make a purchase after using this link, you've helped the show by earning us a commission, and it won't cost you any extra money. Please use this link for all your future Amazon shopping. This is Green Lantern Hal Jordan, and you're listening to The Geek Generation. All right, let's get into our freakouts. Oh, freakout! What do you got? I don't really have much. I mean, I've tried to catch up on wrestling, and I don't know what they're doing anymore. Like, I'm pretty sure... WWE creative has lost all their creativity. Yeah. I don't know. WrestleMania is literally around the corner. There's we're recording this right now on a Saturday morning mm -hmm. and there's a pay-per-view on tonight, which almost tonight? Yeah. Or tomorrow. No, tonight. Really? They're doing a special one tonight. It's like roadblock or something. Oh. Yeah, it's tonight. Interesting. Just on the WWE network. But the matches on that are already better than the matches for WrestleMania. Oh. And I don't know. I'm I'm just, I don't know what they're doing anymore. I, I mean, have you followed any of it? Have you seen what they're doing with Shane McMahon and The Undertaker? And Not a ton. Uh, I've seen whatever gets shared on social media. I follow a few wrestlers. Uh, like I follow Kofi on Twitter yeah. and Finn Balor and Becky. Uh, I think most of my attention, honestly, is focused on nxt right. and even though i'm still way behind like i'm just about to watch the london takeover pay-per-view that was pretty good like i'm i'm so far behind on everything yeah. wrestling wise nxt is really the only one i pay attention to mm. so i know shane mcmahon for some reason challenged the undertaker that's all i know oh yeah it's, there's more to it okay but <laughs> i mean the storyline in terms of shane coming back is pretty cool and it makes sense it doesn't make sense that The Undertaker is like a big part of WrestleMania. Like he people watch WrestleMania to see what's gonna happen to Taker, or they did yeah. until he lost. Now it's like what's now the it point? doesn't matter. But yeah. I think that's where we're at now is he's overstayed his welcome. It's done. Now he's gonna fight Shane in a hell in a cell. He's gonna lose It's a hell in a cell. Hell in a cell. <laughs> so is he gonna lose what? to him? Like, what's the point of bringing Shane back? They did this whole the, the basically the wrap up was that Vince was years ago when Shane left. Mm-hmm. And Shane sold his stock. There was a clause in it that didn't really, he didn't really lose his position in the company. Okay. He just sold back stock 
took his money, invested it in businesses, and built his own. And the whole time he's been watching Stephanie and Triple H move up the rank, move up the ranks. But mm-hmm. now there's all these injuries and stock is down and things aren't going well. So Shane wants to come back now and take over his rightful spot oh. and say, I can fix the company and move it in the right direction. Interesting. And Vince said he basically did it publicly in the ring, embarrassed Stephanie, embarrassed Vince. And Vince goes, that's fine. You can have your spot back. One match, one one location. So you, you can have your spot you, if you win. If you win. But doesn't so, that go against the clause, though? Well, no. It, the idea He wants to take control of Raw. Oh. So they're back to... One McMahon wants Raw. One McMahon will take SmackDown. Yeah, know. yeah. But the issue is that Vince goes, all right, that's fine. You're going to face The Undertaker in a hell in a cell. And it's like, okay, so you bring Shane back. Mm-hmm. You bring him back. It's like he has to win. What's the point of bringing him back if he's not going to win? But then right. you put him against The Undertaker in a hell in a cell. So you're going to have Undertaker lose to Shane McMahon in a hell in a cell when he beat guys like Shawn Michaels and Triple H and like all these other guys. And Shane McMahon, who's not even a wrestler, is potentially going to beat him. Like, something's going to have to happen for it to make sense for that to happen. Like, and if 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 that doesn't happen and Undertaker wins, then Shane's it's gone. like, so and Shane's gone. The point? So the whole thing was just to be like, Shane's kind of back, fighting a guy that streak at Mania doesn't matter anymore. Right. Uh, so here... <laughs> <laughs> it's like what was the creative there yeah they have all these guys that they could have put taker against and then they don't they i don't know just the whole thing is just a mess nothing is building up this year there's nothing building really yeah i don't know i watch it i i catch the end of it or i'll catch it i have the usa app on my phone so mm-hmm. i can see raw if i'm not home I don't know. I can't follow it. The NXT stuff is great. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, and they're going to have some matches at WrestleMania from NXT. And those cool. will probably be the highlight of the show. But I'm like, this is not looking good. Yeah, like sometimes I, I will see something cool and I'll be like, oh, should I be watching wrestling again? And then I hear <laughs> more stuff and I'm like, no, maybe not. Right. <laughs> maybe not. I mean, of course, you know, I'll watch it. WrestleMania. because Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course we'll watch WrestleMania. We're idiots. But. <laughs> but I don't know. It just doesn't look promising. Yeah. I wish Matt West was here because I would love to hear him talk about this. I'd like to get his perspective on People it. that are actually watching regularly. Right. Because yeah. he does sometimes have a, a different perspective mm-hmm. on things. Okay. Yeah, that was it. It's just like that's the only thing I try to spend time and I'll watch and it's letting me down on a regular basis. I'm getting frustrated. That is a bummer. Mm-hmm. My freak out is one that just like everyone being collectively excited about Spider-Man, yeah. I think people are fairly collective about hating uh, the Ghostbusters reboot trailer. Mm. Finally dropped. Actually, two of them. There was the regular trailer, and then shortly after, there was an international trailer that dropped as well and gave us some additional footage. Um, comedy trailers generally showcase some of the best jokes in the movie. Yeah. We got ghost vomiting. We got the supposedly awkward let's go bit. We got a stage dive fall where someone does a stage dive and then someone moves and uh, someone falls through and that was terrible. Right. Uh, We got the pushing on a pull to open door, which, you know, we've never seen that before. And then a ghost logo with boobs. I really hope that's not the best they have to offer. (laughs) We're doomed. Uh, Somebody did mention that Paul Feig is notorious for not putting the best stuff in the trailer because he thinks it should be safe for the movie, which is something I agree with. Yeah, that should be the approach you take. But there was nothing redeeming in the trailer for me to want to go see the movie. (laughs) The trailer wasn't done right. No trailer for this should have been very short. Mm hmm. Very like I actually like that they said thirty years ago, you know, scientists. Did you? Did, I thought it was like okay, so thirty years ago, mm-hmm. these guys did this. What happened to them? Like it, it would have been okay if they left some mystery there. But here's the thing. Yep. This is why it's confusing it's because reboot. people who saw that trailer go, "Oh, I thought it was a reboot." I, but if thirty now years it's like ago, Ghostbusters three. But it's not. No. So now it's misleading people. Because they're referencing the other right. movie, they're saying in our world 30 years ago, this happened. In their world, no, it didn't. 
So no. Oh, that's confusing. In in this Ghostbusters reboot world that they're showing us, those prior events didn't happen. Those people never existed. But they're making reference to him in the trailer. Yeah, so that doesn't make sense. No, not this at all. This is like this is that weird tangent universe in Back to the Future 2. So we need to stop this and get back to the right one. Maybe at the end of this movie, yeah. it'll all go back to the Ghostbusters. And they'll be like, oh, by the way, Ghostbusters 3 comes out next year and it's got these guys in it. Here's my crazy ass theory. You know how, uh, and I think we saw more of it. So in the uh, extreme Ghostbusters cartoon that they had for a little while, mm-hmm. they get the traps. They fill the traps with the ghosts and they go deposit those ghosts inside of this big like containment unit that yeah. they keep. My guess is that there's like another world inside of that containment unit, another universe where all the ghosts go to. Right. This movie takes place inside of that big containment unit. Let's hope so. And then at the end of it, it'll zoom out and we'll be like, oh, thank God it was only all happening in there. Yeah. And it's Bill Murray looking in going, what a mess. (laughs) (laughs) That would be so great. It would be. Now, don't get me wrong. I know there are a lot of people. There are camps like all over the place with different kind of approaches or they're coming from different things at this trailer. There are some people who are just supporting it regardless of anything because it's a cast of all females. Mm -hmm. And I think that's incredibly short sighted. And uh, it's also way more sexist than if you just approach it as it doesn't matter who's what gender is in these roles. Let's look at the movie objectively as just a movie. So I'm approaching it just as like if I see a trailer where I don't see anything that looks funny, why would I go see that comedy? Right. That doesn't make sense to me. So I have really no interest in this. And the the trailers themselves, like even in that same vein, they don't know what they're doing by saying 30 years later, trying to tie it to that past movie and then not acknowledging that it's not tied to that past movie is confusing the the logic of some of their jokes don't even make sense so in the international trailer there's a moment there's that stage diving moment yeah melissa mccarthy jumps off the stage and gets caught by a bunch of people then leslie jones character jumps off the stage as well the crowd parts she falls down and she yells i don't know if it was a race thing or a lady thing but i'm mad as hell that makes no sense to me why would it be maybe it is a race thing why would it be a lady thing? They just caught Melissa McCarthy. Yeah. Another lady. This movie's going to suck. The logic of that joke doesn't work. Uh, well, I'm not going to see it. Are no, you? I, I will. My thing is. Okay. Is this going to be like Ninja Turtles 2? No. Like, no. We're going to be like. No. Because Ashley's like, we have to see it. We do. We kind of do. See? We kind of do. So we go, Ghostbusters 1 and 2 was good. Well, here's the thing. For me, at least. I am not as big a fan of Ghostbusters as I am of the Ninja Turtles. Like True. The Ninja Turtles was my freaking childhood. Right. Ghostbusters, I could take or leave. Like, I enjoy the movie and I enjoy the sequel. Yeah. But I'm not like, oh, Ghostbusters. I really don't have an interest in seeing this one. My interest lies solely in morbid curiosity Mm -hmm. because I know it's going to be bad. I will watch this not in the theater. I'm not paying money for it. Right. That'll get that right out of the way. We're going to buy a bootleg DVD from the guy (laughs) in the corner of the street in New York. Yeah. Um, The only way I'm watching this is after it's already out on Blu-ray or DVD or whatever. And only with the same attitude that I went into seeing Fantastic Four. I know how bad it's going to be or how bad it is based on what everyone will say after they have seen the movie. And I will watch it just to be like, what were they thinking? (laughs) And I won't even I won't even watch it, watch it, because when I watch Fantastic Four as well, I was like doing work on one monitor while it was playing on the other. Like (laughs) it will be on in the background and I will just be perplexed by it. It doesn't even deserve my full attention. But the um, there was also a fan cut trailer. They took the trailer and they recut it. Yeah. And they the only changes they made, like you said, it should have been some sort of a teaser almost. Right. The changes they made here is that they took out almost all of the dialogue. They Good. left in like two pieces of dialogue. The part where Melissa McCarthy touches something and she's like, "Ooh, that's hot. Because that was a little bit funny. Uh, and the let's go moment. They left that in. All the other dialogue is pretty much gone. And they overlaid the entire trailer with the original Ghostbusters theme. Oh, okay. 
and it's a good recut. Is I'm it? like, that's the movie I want to see. Right. But the jokes <laughs> were terrible on the other one. The original Ghostbuster movies weren't. They were funny because Bill Murray made them funny. Right. Like, he'd have those little one-liners or whatnot. Yeah. It was a comedy, but it wasn't, like, full-on, like, this is trying to okay, be Okay, you make a good comedy. point. You make a very good point right there. I heard, I know... I reference Max Landis all the time, yeah. but it's because I follow him on Twitter and I friggin' love almost everything he says. So he was on the kind of funny uh, YouTube show or podcast with Greg Miller, and they were talking about their reactions. They talked for 50 minutes about the Ghostbusters trailer alone. And Max was saying that the reason Ghostbusters works and a, a lot of reasons that our older comedies work, whereas the newer comedies are all failing is because Ghostbusters is not a comedy first. Mm -hmm. Ghostbusters tells the story of these scientists stopping the ghosts from invading New York, and it's sprinkled with humor. Right. And that's what makes it so good. The Ghostbusters now, granted we can't speak completely about it because we haven't seen the movie. True. But most comedies we see now are jokes first, plot situations second. So the the events that lead to the jokes are not as important as the jokes in our modern comedies. Even Deadpool had a story and then was covered in jokes. Yes. You guys can't get this right. <laughs> <laughs> so plot. How could the Ghostbusters not get this? Yeah. It I needs to be a sci-fi action movie first yeah, yeah. and a comedy second. Right. And then if that's the case, then we buy into the world. We buy into the characters. And then the jokes have a place to live. Mm -hmm. They're not these standalone little pieces of supposed humor that right. you just branch together through this weird series of events. Yeah. Makes I sense. think that's, that makes a ton of sense. So it can't be comedy first. It has to be story first. And yeah, I don't, this is just a huge mess. Ghostbusters will be. It's going to be a train wreck. <laughs> It'll be good. Okay, let's do some reviews real quick. Uh, you saw another kid's movie. I did. Well, you know, Ashley has a three-year-old. I can so tell. A yeah, lot of the movies only... I see are... are... <laughs> your theater-going experience has changed a bit recently. It has, but my popcorn eating has increased <laughs> a lot. God, we go through two buckets of popcorn now in a movie. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I know. The larges, they do free refills. That was the worst thing they could tell us. <laughs> yeah, but that means you have to leave the theater. It does. Guess who's the one who has to leave the oh, theater? Oh, no. Usually it's me. I don't mind. It's a, usually it's a kid. I'd be like, fuck I no. actually, I, we got the second. When we saw Deadpool, we went through, her and I, mm -hmm. a thing of popcorn. And then we looked at each other like, who's going to go get it? And I was like, oh, I will. I would not have done it. And then the guy who filled the popcorn thing was trying to talk to me about the movie that I'm trying to watch. Right, like, right. Isn't it funny? And I'm like, I got to get back in there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm missing it right now. So, yes, I saw Zootopia. But I actually was looking forward to this. And I the thought it looked was funny. The first trailer that they launched had me dying. Like, the thing I was with the laughing sloth. at the movie trailer yeah. in the theater. I don't even know what I saw. Kung Fu Panda 3 yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah. And I was laughing at this going, this is awesome. The DMV sloth bit was hysterical. The, I think it's probably one of the best parts of the movie. Yeah. It really, it was good. But the, the idea of the movie, it's it's a Disney movie. So there's no humans on the earth. Mm -hmm. It's the animals have evolved to the point where they can all live together and they have cars. It's the human race, but sure. replaced by animals, all different animals. So it's about a rookie bunny cop and a cynical con artist fox that have to work together to uncover a conspiracy okay so the focus is on the bunny and her upbringing and it's how the animals have separated themselves like the bunnies all live in this bunny section of the the land like you'd say like massachusetts is filled with bunnies oh really all they do is farm carrots so they're all segregated they're segregated all the different animals that way they don't eat each other in the city they're not they're oh. mixed together in the city in zootopia and the police are generally the bigger animals, the hippos, the rhinos, okay. giraffes. They're the bigger animals. Bouncers. Are the, are the police. Yeah. Yeah. So this little bunny has a dream. And the underlying story here is that you should follow your dreams mm -hmm. while the rest of the world is telling you, no, go do what you're supposed to do. Mm. Get a job. Get married. Have kids. Repeat the cycle. Sure. And she's going, no. 
I have a dream that I want to follow and I'm not going to do it your way. And like literally the whole movie, the whole time, all the bunnies are like, no, that's not life. Like there's this battle for her. Mm. So she goes and becomes a cop. And there's also the part of it. It's it's really interesting how they, they make this fit into the world because they're like the foxes hate the bunnies and they will kill you. Oh. So don't go near. They have fox spray, fox repellent. Oh, my fox. goodness. And now she bumps into this con artist fox who she has to work with. And there's this underlying fear for her that mm-hmm. he could change. And I'm not going to ruin what the conspiracy is, but the movie is is really good. Hmm. The only issue I have with it is that it's long. Yeah. But this is like the second Disney movie that went long. Frozen was just about as long. Okay. Hey, did you see Frozen? I did. Yeah. I own Frozen. You own it? I felt it was a little long. Okay. This one is the same way. It's an hour and 48 minutes, whereas most Disney movies are an hour and 28 to an hour and 35 Mm -hmm. usually. It just – but it felt long. There Mm. were most where I was like, okay, probably didn't need to put this in. We could have cut this and get to the point. Besides the fact that it was long, it is hilarious. And the cast is great. Like the voice work is awesome. Mm-hmm. Jason Bateman plays the fox, oh, and it's awesome, because yeah. he is sly. Like, yeah, yeah, he yeah. is that kind of character. Well, yeah, they always cast people who kind of play those roles anyway. Uh, Jennifer Goodwin plays uh, Judy Hopps, who's sure. the bunny, and she was on. Um, She's on Once Upon a Time. Yes, she plays Snow White mm-hmm. on that show. Um, Never and, even seen the show. So oh, now you I know haven't? that. Nope. But of course, <laughs> uh, my favorite J.K. Simmons, who played oh uh, yeah J. Jonah Jameson mm-hmm. in the Spider Man movies. He's Mayor Lionheart. Fantastic. He's a lion, but he just has that voice. And oh, yeah. As soon as he came out, I was like, that guy. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> but there's a great voice casting. All of a sudden, he's yelling, Spider-Man. There's an actual that, Spider-Man. Like, right. <laughs> because I it's w- Utopia. I wish he did. Uh, it's a really good movie with a lot of underlying, like I said, um, I guess social messages. Mm-hmm. And by the end of it, it really does. Disney does a great job of saying you should go after whatever you're trying mm. to accomplish. Don't let other people put you down. There's almost an anti-bullying aspect yeah. to it as well. So, I don't know. You leave the theater and you, you kind of feel good about yourself. Disney tends to be pretty good about driving home whatever message they want to oh, get they across. they drive it home. All yeah. Right. yeah. They do a really good job. It's a good movie. You don't have to have kids to see it. it oh, is, I'll absolutely see it. You know, I've never not gone to a movie because I right. shouldn't be I, You there. know, if you don't have kids, <laughs> it's probably not something you're going to see in the theater. Yeah. You'll probably watch it on Netflix or something. But it's another solid Disney movie that's worth watching. Great. I would give it like probably four out of five stars. I look forward to it. Yeah. I'm surprised you haven't seen it. Yeah. Uh, it's just been time. Is that something you'll bring your niece and nephew Time to restraints. See? Uh, I would, I totally would. If they haven't already seen yeah, it. Yeah. They might have seen oh, it already, but like I totally six. would. Six. They'll be six, yeah. uh, next month. They'll love it. Yeah. Uh, my review this week is for a game called The Flame in the Flood. If you'd like to see my full review, I'm going to recap a little bit of the extent of it. I have a much longer written review over at thegeekgeneration.com that you can go check out that just went online the other day. But this is the first game from the new studio, The Molasses Flood. They're actually based in Boston, which is pretty cool. Uh, I've been in touch with them, and they have agreed to uh, come on the podcast in the near future. So we're going to make that happen eventually, I hope. Uh, this is a survival game about Scout and her canine companion, Aesop. Together, you sail on a raft down a treacherous river in post-societal America, stopping at various types of locations to restore your supplies craft new items, and hunt the local wildlife before they hunt you. So in the past, I've talked about another survival game a lot, Don't Starve, Yeah, where it's kind of like endless play. You uh, have this large area of land that you can check out and explore, and your goal is really just to stay alive. This game uh, is also a survival game, and yes, you do have to try to stay alive, but it's also a little bit more than that. So there are two modes in The Flame and the Flood. There is a campaign mode, And there is an endless mode. The campaign story is a little bit thin, but it's kind of nice in a survival game to have an ending. So some people are intimidated by survival games because it's like, I don't want to play a game where my whole goal is to just see how long I can play. Yeah. In the Flame of the Flood, you can do that in the endless mode. But in the campaign mode, there is... A thin story to tie everything together, but it's nice that it comes to an end. And it will be several hours of gameplay before you actually reach that ending. And then you could say, okay, I experienced the game. It was worth the money I paid for it. Like, it's not a crazy expensive game. It's like, it's maybe like 15 to 20 bucks, something like that. 
and it'll easily give you six to eight hours of gameplay in the campaign mode, which makes it worth it already. Mm -hmm. If you're someone who enjoys the game beyond that and you want to keep playing, there is the endless mode. So you could be one of those people that's like, I'm going to now play to see how long I can survive. Right. The other big change from a normal survival game that I've seen is that you're not stuck in one spot. Like, I'm going to use Don't Starve as comparison a lot because it's one of the more popular survival games. Uh, And Don't Starve, you pretty much make kind of like a central camp and you stay there Mm -hmm. and you build all your resources up to make it easy to be in that one spot. In The Flame of the Flood, the whole point is to keep going down the river. So you don't and you can't go back because the current's going in one direction. So as soon as you pass an area, it's gone and you're moving forward all the time. And that's actually kind of nice, too. Like, I don't have to always feel like I have to go back to this other place to do this thing. The only thing that's common for you the whole time is your raft, which you can upgrade and make better to help you survive. Like, you can throw a tent on it to sleep in and get out of the rain. Mm -hmm. You can build a water purifier on it because you got to keep finding water. And the river water is not something you can drink. But if you have a water purifier, you can make that instead of making filters. Uh, You can put a stove right on your raft to keep warm and cook your food and things like that. So that's all good, and that stays with you. Uh, like most survival games, there's four different meters. You have a hunger meter, a thirst meter, a body temperature meter, and a fatigue meter. So you got to make sure those are in check all the time. You have checkpoints in this game instead of true permadeath. Mm-hmm. So permadeath is a fairly new, not, I don't think it's super, super new, but in survival games, you see permadeath all the time. Don't Starve has it. So the problem with permadeath is when you die, it's done. You start oh. from the beginning, from scratch. I remember that happening yeah. to you. So you can play for hours. You can put weeks. You could put months into a playthrough. And then if you die, it's all over and all that time uh-huh. is gone. In The Flame and the Flood, uh, there is permadeath. When you die, the game ends. But you could jump back to a previous checkpoint. So uh-huh. you might lose some gameplay and some of the progress you made. But you don't have to start from scratch necessarily. There's also a mechanic, too, where the entire time you have Aesop with you, who's your canine companion. And let's be honest, any game where they give you a pet dog is a better video game. True, (laughs) It really is. is. Uh, And on the bonus side, Aesop can't be hurt and Aesop can't die. So not only do you get a pet dog, but you know nothing's going to happen to him. Right. So no tears at the end of this video game because Aesop's going to die or anything. Thank God. Uh, But Aesop has his own backpack. So in addition to your storage... You can give things to Aesop, and he can hold them on his backpack. But when you die, if you decide to start a new game, you will retain the items that Aesop was carrying. Oh, okay. The game actually starts with, you see, like, a skeleton, and it has a backpack, and it starts with Aesop grabbing that backpack and pulling it over to you. Oh. So he's almost, like, bringing your inventory, or at least part of it, because he can only carry so much as well. But whatever items you deem really important, if you keep them on Aesop, those will continue over to your next game. So that's cool. As you go down the river, there's a bunch of different places that you can dock at. There's like a hardware store where you'll find workbenches where you can upgrade certain things. You're also more likely to find nuts and bolts and lumber. There's campsites, which always have a burning fire. So there's different categories to each of these different places. And you'll need to make some hard decisions as to which ones you're going to go to. So you'll see various campsites throughout. You know, you'll see various hardware stores. They'll come here and there. But the river will sometimes split or will just be wide enough so that you have some locations on one side and some on the other. But since you have a current going in one direction, you might not be able to make it to both. So you could go over to one side and then not be able to make it back over to the other one after you visit that in Uh time because the current's taking you too far down the river. So you have to make some choices about what kind of items do I need? What location is more important to me right now? Can I wait for another one like this huh. coming down later on? So that's interesting. Uh, the, one of those places is also a marina where you can upgrade your raft. Yeah. Which we talked about a little bit before. The visuals in this game, super charming. It's really? a beautiful looking game. The environments are awesome. Sometimes I would just get lost in like you're sailing on the river down to the next location yeah. and you see like the sunset hit the top of the river. It looks so awesome. Really? So the graphics are great in that way. And it's not anything like crazy detailed graphic wise. It's just really stylistically charming mm. and nice. And uh, they were very smart to get alt country rocker Chuck Reagan involved in the project. He created an entirely new album, original album of music for the game. And he provides the entire soundtrack. 
and it really lends a nice tone to everything. And the world that it builds Mm -hmm. is just so damn charming. Like that's a reason that you want to stay invested. The game, unfortunately, has a lot of bugs. Some of them are game breaking. I've ran into a lot of things that are kind of clunky and kind of buggy. And I'm hoping they'll update those in patches. So there's potential to fix it. But if you can work your way through those bugs, it is such like a nice, almost comforting game to play. Mm. It never gets like crazy, crazy stressful like another survival type game might. Right. A lot of the times when you see enemies that would be hunting you down, you can just straight up run away. Oh, okay. So there are areas that I've gone into and I hear a howl. And then three wolves will show up and I'll be like, later, (laughs) I'll just run away away. and I'll just go back to my raft and keep going down the river. I'll be like, I wanted to go to this area, but this is not for me. So you just continue on. How long have you lasted so far? What's the longest without dying? I, I did finish the campaign mode. Uh, and I think that was something like 42 days or whatever. Not, not real life days, obviously in game days, but I haven't. I haven't gotten super, super far in Endless just because I haven't played as much since I finished mm-hmm. the campaign. Uh, but I, I can see myself like pulling the game out every now and then just be like, I miss this kind of relaxing chill. There's something very zen about it. Really? Like the crafting system isn't. It's funny that there's something very zen about a survival. Right. I know. Right. The crafting system isn't super deep. Like you'll memorize all the crafting recipes within the first couple hours of playing probably. And it's a lot of repetition from there on just to, like, maintain all your meters. So in an endless mode where you're not going anywhere and you're just trying to survive, it really is just repeating things over and over for maintenance reasons. But there's something between the art of the world, the music, and that repetition of tasks that becomes almost, like, meditative. And you're just, like, chilling out. Which I think is kind of the vibe of the game anyway. Right. So... It all kind of lends itself to that. So it's a nice, it can be like a nice kind of relaxing, chill experience. But I highly recommend people check it out. Really great. And again, it's, this is a first game from a new studio. They've had people that worked on like the Bioshock series and things. So they're, they're coming from AAA titles mm-hmm. to form this new studio and build this That's game. That's cool. So this is a great first release from get them. Kind of like the best of the best. Exactly. It's like, a, I think of it as like a super group. Yeah. Yeah. The Avengers yeah. <laughs> of video games. <laughs> but uh really enjoyed it. Highly recommend yeah. it. Yeah. It sucked me in completely. That is uh pretty much all for this week. So we're going to wrap it up right there. We'll do our uh, news and everything next time we see you. But final thought or something you'd like to plug? Oh, uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Mike from the gym. Or you can follow the supplements. It's at SBV supplements. You can see everything else we do at thegeekgeneration.com. If you use iTunes, please rate the show and write a review. We always appreciate those. You can like us at Facebook.com slash The Geek Generation and follow at Geek Generation on Twitter. You can watch our live podcasts and gaming at Twitch.tv slash The Geek Generation. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at The Night Angel. You can support the show by going to TheGeekGeneration.com slash support. Send emails to podcast at TheGeekGeneration.com. And as always, the show theme is provided by Machine Supremacy. A link to their site can also be found on our site. We'll be back really soon with more geekiness for you, and we will see you then. Later. See ya. Make it so.